Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am your host, Heather Hansen O'Neill. I'm thrilled to be back with you again. Our quote today is by Sonali De Silva. Judgment can afford to be lazy. Inclusion is a skill that takes courage, empathy, and practice. I think this one definitely applies today. We have an amazing guest for you, and I can't wait to introduce him. Roy Valady is the CEO of Jobs for Humanity and president of Jobs for Lebanon. Prior, he was the chief marketplace officer at PerkSpot and head of marketplace and communications at Smart Recruiters. Roy was raised in Lebanon and his passion lies in creating jobs for underrepresented communities, specifically refugees, returning citizens, the blind, single moms, the neurodivergent and the elderly. He's amazing. You're going to love him. Roy, how are you today? I am doing very well. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. What you do, what you speak about, everything we're going to talk about today is in complete alignment with what I am passionate about. So this is going to be a highly enjoyable conversation for me, I'm sure. And I think our listeners are going to walk away inspired. So, you know, I always give a little, just a little intro, a little bio for people, but there's always so much more to them. Is there anything else that you would like to add before we dive into some questions? I grew up um, in Lebanon and um, I saw actually in the middle of the civil war mm. uh, and I saw uh, from a fairly well-off family. So where we didn't lack for anything. And I got to see the seesaw of uh, being in a privileged, beautiful home then having to run to a bomb shelter, mm -hmm. to having aspirations to being on Wall Street, uh, and then going to college just like you know everybody else and wanting to pursue the best you know career you can. And the thing that struck me the most in my childhood was my parents, despite their divorce, sticking it through and completing the building of uh, orphanage, which became a boarding school up in the mountains. And that um, is the thing that I looked up to the most. And has shaped every um, being um, in me and every job that I've taken um, where I started to look for purpose. Uh, and that's um, in a lot of ways, it's taken me to where I am today, where you can marry uh, what your heart wants with what your brain wants with what you think community wants and hopefully make a living out of it. That is fantastic. I need to steal that one as one of the quotes and we've just started. So I always take a quote to, to share out into the world. I have a sneaking suspicion it's going to be difficult today because I, I think you're going to say quite a few things that will align with me. So that's a good one for sure. So you have this amazing Jobs for Humanity, which was how I first came across you. Can you tell us a little bit more about it and, and why you started it? Yeah, with pleasure. Jobs for Humanity is an employment platform for people who are underrepresented. And I'm not using the word diversity on purpose because in the United States, diversity is very much about race and gender. Mm -hmm. Underrepresented communities is also race, is also gender, but it also counts 
blind individuals, people have, who have low vision. So a, a blind may, white male is, brings as much diversity, if not more than just about, you know, race and gender there because of that different perspective. Similarly, underrepresented communities can touch people who are subject to human trafficking, the elderly, um, people behind the red light district, because I had to launch a conference there and I just went face to face with that, people subject to, to drug addictions, uh, refugees and people who are seeking asylum, basically people that we don't get to see. And they're actually, and not nearly as much as they're prevalent in the world. Uh, there are about 40 to 50% of humanity of, you know, the world population that comes into these communities. And I'll be hard pressed to think of any of our listeners, including myself, who, whose friends, half of their friends come from these communities. So that's what I would call underrepresented. Mm. So it's an employment platform for them. I think that's fantastic. So is there also an element of education for these, the companies who want to hire some of these people, because you know, you're mentioning some things that maybe people haven't thought of, right? So do yeah. you do you help the companies understand why this is important and, and what the, the talents are and such? Why and how are, you know, then you've got the what, which is Jobs for Humanity is an explanation of basically a, a manifestation of the why and the how. Mm -hmm. Why is it important to hire people from underrepresented communities? Because you've got geniuses in there. And not just because it's the right thing to do. If you want to hire the best talent, you'll find people who've gone through fire and out of fire uh, are the ones who are going to make that tenfold improvement in humanity. Mm -hmm. give, I'll just give you examples and the proofs in the pudding. The most, who's the most known to be the most intelligent person on earth? You could just rattle a name. Um, well, you know, just I just was looking at a, a, a quote from Einstein. So we'll just put that one out there. Einstein was a refugee. Ah. Who's another? Um, Martin Luther King. Uh, ethnic minority. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, we could go. You know what? As I'm thinking through all the ones that I would pick, fit. So, so when you're talking about the, you, you know, we talked a little bit about the types of talent. So, so you think it has to do, and thank you for using the fire terminology because that fits with, <laughs> that was very nice of you, but all the ones that are, have this great um, talents or skills or passion or drive, it's, it has to do in part because of what they had to overcome. Yeah. We always seek perfection growing up, but it's actually imperfection that creates grit. And when you've had it easy, it's hard to build grit. And with grit comes focus and continuous focus for a long period of time because you've got a chip on your shoulder because for one reason or another. Um, here are some other examples. Uh, who in like the laws of physics, Newton. Yeah. Newton is allegedly neurodivergent. Uh, it's also alleged potential that Bill Gates may, may, may be neurodivergent. Uh, Elon Musk is the richest man on earth. He's taking us here and there. He's openly neurodivergent. Mm -hmm. Same thing for uh, Sir Richard Branson. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that there's been this whole cancel movement around you know, J.K. Rowling, but J.K. Rowling is a single mom. Barack Obama was raised by a single mom. Mm -hmm. um, and so you'll find people who have gone through difficulties um, be able to achieve extra Google. Google, Sergey Brin was a refugee. 
In the recruitment space, we talked about Laszlo Balk, super famous, also a refugee from Romania. So that's the why. Now, how is, uh, is a big question because that basically shapes the what. How can be broken down into where do I find them? And how do I create an inclusive space where they can go through the hiring process from A to Z and then feel welcome afterwards? Um, and so, yes, education is extremely important. And uh, this is what we've basically codified, put together a straight line with a training program, with career coaches that will explain to you, you know, what is neurodivergent or who are considered to be neurodivergent? What are the challenges they face and how do you address them? How do you interview and create a fair, inclusive hiring process? What are some reasonable accommodations they may need? And um, how do you onboard them? And if you don't have, choose to hire them, how do you create a safe space for them and nice offboarding so that you can help them in areas they need? And at that same flow, uh, we've developed a training program for returning citizens from incarceration, the blind and low vision, the neurodivergent, um, so on and so forth for every community. It's, it's just, it's big, but it's bold and it is needed. You know what I mean? I love that when we find something that is just screams out that it, that it needs to be taken care of, right? That, that, yeah. that something inside of you um, saw that and was like, not only does it need to be taken care of, but I can do something about it. And so how do we get, if we, if we had to jump for people out there who are listening, who are starting to get inspired by this, right? How do they jump from, I see something that needs to be taken care of. How do they jump from that to, I might be able to do something to help? Would anything that you went through be able to help with that? Yeah, you are able to. Mm -hmm. You're not. And as long as you say, uh, I'm going to give it a conversation, an open-minded conversation, and just get in touch with us. Um, reach out to us and then we've got the program whether you want to help at an individual level because you are uh, uh, someone who wants to extend your network or help um, an underrepresented job seeker find work help them with their resume help opening up open up your network you can help somebody and you'd be surprised at how many people have been helping one another and getting interviews and landing jobs and how gratifying it is so at an individual level you can do it and at a corporate level you can do it talk to your hr leaders uh, talk to your senior leadership by the way it's not just jobs for humanity that's talking about this right now even corporate america is talking about this uh, there's a a rule um, that the new york stock exchange and the nasdaq if you want to go public as a company you must have at least two board members who come from underrepresented communities mm. so even from a corporate financial standpoint, that's become such a major thing. And then from a humanitarian standpoint, we realize we've always talked about, um, for example, Ukrainians um, and how many, there uh, are five plus million refugees and how brilliant so many of them are uh, and to be able to create job opportunities for them. So all of that is available if you just say, I'm on board and let me have a conversation and see how I can help at a corporate or at an individual level. I love that. I love sparking the idea for someone that they can take responsibility for a portion of something. It's just beautiful. 
Um, so let's look at the vision. Let's look at what, when you when you began this, did you have it? And, and now has it grown? So what is the end goal? Like, what do you really want in the end from this? The way I see things, uh, I have to have a North Star in order to be able to shape that vision and have a specific end date and have specific numbers that, that reach that end state. So my North Star is... Uh, the UN Sustainable Development Goal, so specifically number eight, which is quality jobs for all. Backstory of this is in 2015, world leaders of the G something something um, countries got together um, and put set together 17 UN Sustainable Development Goal that eradicate poverty, create jobs, quality jobs for all, improve the environment create um, quality um, equality among men and women. Um, so these among these 17 goals, they, they said that, all right, we're gonna all focus on them. And then in 2030, so seven, eight years from now, uh, we're going to get back together and see how much we progressed. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, given what's been going on, we haven't made that much progress. And so, um, our goal is to be a leading contributor for goal number eight, measured by the number of people who have been placed in jobs or were able to say, not just that's how people got jobs, this is who they are, this is where they are in their careers, this is where they were, this is where they are, and have as many companies as possible open themselves up to hire people from all walks of life. And this doesn't just mean having a you know, DEI department. This means increasing, actually increasing representation of underrepresented communities. Um, so this means sourcing candidates, hiring candidates, retaining them over time. And so that's basically our North Star. Uh, you know, in the way that you're going, that is definitely going to happen and be exceeded. So I, I want to encourage everyone out there to, to learn more. But before, you know, before we get to how they can reach you and, and, and how they can find out more about that, um, because I have these humanity moments, I mentioned to you when we chatted, I would love your specific take on what you would tell people. Um, you know, humanity moments for those of you who are listening to this for the first time um, or aren't familiar with what I, one of these other things that I'm super excited about, that's in helping to, to show what's being done out there to, to find and to expand humanity. And so how a, this personal mission of mine actually has married with my, my business mission because it's so important and, and businesses now understand that there's a direct correlation to doing good in the world and that coming back, that reciprocation of that. So I would love your thoughts on what that that means to you and what it can change in the world a humanity moment yeah yeah i wake up every morning uh with a fire in my belly i'm generally hyperactive i meditate a lot to just calm myself down but you kind of have to be and i'm actually glad i am wired this way in order and and have such a huge goal and but then I get face-to-face -face with moments every single day being doing what I'm doing. And one of the ones is uh, my colleague, Eugène, uh, in the Netherlands, um, who reached out and said, 
Even better news, Roy, Rami, a candidate who was rejected by company name, will start a job May 1st or May 14th with IKEA. Uh, he just called me to break the news. Most touching thing he said is, where people who know me, who say they are friends, or say they are professionals to help me, have done relatively nothing. You, who didn't know me, listened to me, had believed in me, in my ambitions, and in my possibilities, and introduced me first to X company, and now via your network, into a great job. And you can imagine the flow of all our colleagues at Jobs for Humanity coming in from Australia, from Greece, from every corner of the world, um, being extremely touched and realizing why it is that we do what we're doing. Mm -hmm. At this stage, we're not so huge. I mean, we have helped more than 400 people land jobs already. Mm -hmm. um, so it's something, but it's actually just a drop in, in, in the ocean uh, in terms of how much this can get to. And we don't always get testimonials and someone coming to us and saying, all right, this is what you've actually done for us. But these moments really make you sink you from your head to your heart and make you realize how extraordinary this is and how valuable, how much you've touched someone's and actually altered the trajectory of their lives and not just for them, but for their family and also their surroundings and, and everybody around them. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a, a moment of humanity. Another one, yeah. um, I was talking to a volunteer and uh, he's from South Africa and he was talking, I told him, how do you hear about Jobs for Humanity? He was telling me a little bit about it, uh, that he heard through a friend, went onto the site and he realized that this is exactly for him. It's his calling. He, he's so excited that there's an organization that's doing something like this. I told him, well, what's, what's your story? And he told me, I was, I'm from South Africa. I was driving one day and I got into a car accident. The next thing I know, I couldn't see in front of me. I literally became blind and I just got depressed. I was fighting it. I literally lost my eyesight. And it took me a couple of years to actually accept the fact that I'm blind. And then after that, I've heard about a company in California that's, that, does, that puts a chip in your brain and a device that you can see through and that connects, this device connects directly through that chip and bypasses the retina and can see therefore light and therefore shades when something obstructs the light. And therefore you can start to make out movements and start to see things in front of you. And he's one of six people in this clinical trial. Um, and he said, and for that, I'd, I, you know, I'd want to extend what it is I'm doing. I've embraced what's, what's happened to me. Um, and I'd like to look, I'm looking for a job, but I also want to help you guys as much as possible. Jason is an integral part of what we do. He's based in Los Angeles right now, and he's he's on the team. And you know, hearing such such a story, someone who's like, "Hey, I'd like to give a helping hand," humbles you to your core. And with a person like this on your team, with someone like Eugène, with someone like Rami who just got got that job, and some, countless others, you you really want to build this right, right from the get go, for it to have the right ethos for it to have the impact it needs to have. So that's, these are some humanity moments. Mm, I knew you would have a bunch of them. And what, what I'm hearing and what I know to be true is that people who, and we discussed this in the beginning, people who go through challenge, who are, are, are built from our struggles, 
not only are they ending up to be incredibly talented and passionate, but they typically are the ones who want to give back, right? They want to do the right things. They want to um, contribute and, and pay forward what was what was done for them, right? And so it, it's it's the snowball effect. And I, I so appreciate you sharing some of these stories. And I'm certain you have a bunch more. So feel free at any time to share them when they come up. Um, the time is running short. From Fear to Fire, always we always like to ask if you have had a, um, a fear that you overcame or a challenge that you overcame and the lesson that you learned from it. Um. There are, there are many, but one stands out in my head and it's very vivid because I'm sitting right now in Ashafiyeh, Beirut, Lebanon. Mm -hmm. uh, almost two years ago, on August 4th, 2020, I uh, left my house. I was on my way up to the mountains to have dinner with my family, with my parents. And as I was driving, I heard a momentous explosion. Mm. The entire sky turned yellow like a fire explosion all everywhere. And then a few seconds later, I heard the actual explosion. It was light and then sound. And I just froze. Luckily, I had seen a, a healer that morning. So I was like, you know, cool as a cucumber when that happened, but I was still shocked. But looking around, I saw people in their cars completely petrified, did not knowing what just happened. I U-turned I, I and got away from the explosion, trying to take you know, the internal roads to get up to the mountains and get away from danger. While driving, I saw shattered glass everywhere behind where I was. Um, I got extremely lucky. There were hundreds of people who died. Many of them were you know, more than a mile away from the blast. That was just you know, about a thousand yards from the center of the explosion. And uh, I saw shattered glass, shattered windows, people walking out of uh, buildings, all bloodied, cars smashed, caved in, with people in trying to drive, petrified. No one understood what the hell happened. And trying to go somewhere, like most likely to the hospital. For me, I was trying to get away. I found a small narrow street as I was driving, found a friend. And another guy next to him who was injured, leg injured. So I was like, get, get in the car. I'll pay, drop you off to the hospital. Then as I'm driving some more, I found two more. Uh, and one person I'd recognized. So we were four in the car. And I was just figuring out a way to get them to the hospital because one of them was ble bleeding profusely. The details are gory. But ultimately, they got, into the they got to the hospital. And I was able to make, up, make it up to the mountains completely uh, stunned is the word. I had no feelings. I was uh, surprisingly efficient and driving them to the hospital. But I had, I was, you know, the next morning, the first emotion I felt was fear when mm -hmm. the wind blew and the door shut. And I was just petrified by hearing what I heard. And then I went, I joined friends who told me, hey, we're going to go clean up a house. And so I went in and I saw a sea of young men and women in their 20s and 30s, carrying brooms, all wearing masks. It was the beginning of the pandemic and cleaning people's homes. And I was one of them. And I felt such, uh, I felt so alive and so devastated because um, the city I grew up in just got destroyed. 
and to see someone like an old man's home who that's 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 gone no more water no more electricity everything's like every i just cleaned it up that's all we did and wanting to say hey let's help and do something with this i i found i found new meaning and i got a new lease in, to life and i told myself honestly i'm in the bonus zone right now i'm, I'm 36 now i'm 38 i was 36 and i was like i'm in the bonus zone so i'm gonna make every minute count and i decided that okay being on on you know, uh, in San Francisco, working at a tech startup, which was amazing, smart recruiters. I love it with all my heart, actually, there. They gave me the backbone software that I modified to build jobs for humanity that basically got me to start at a professional level rather than having to build everything from scratch. Um, but I decided I don't want to live in San Francisco anymore because if I'm not building roots and I'm not exploring, then I'm wasting my time. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to pack up my stuff, travel travel, start traveling and exploring the world, explore the world and really dedicate myself to jobs for humanity. And that basically gave me that fire. Mm-hmm. You know, what didn't kill me made me stronger, literally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we talk about that figuratively a lot, but in this situation, it was a literal. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. Roy, thank you for sharing that with us. Now, I know that people are listening and they're hugely inspired. They may have companies that are interested in learning more about Jobs for Humanity. Maybe they know someone who um, is underrepresented and wants to apply. Okay, how can they reach you? Yeah. Simply put, go to jobsforhumanity.com and then you'll be able to take it from there. Mm-hmm. Um, you could volunteer, you could sign up as a company. If you want to reach me directly, it's Roy at jobsforhumanity.com or contact at jobsforhumanity.com or find me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a community of 80,000 job seekers right now on the platform getting career coached and about 500 to 1,000 joining every day. Um, there are 160 companies that have signed up of various sizes, some like the city of Detroit and others like booking.com and some are really small companies posting jobs. And for large companies, we've integrated with all ATSs. So you don't even have to log into our system to have your jobs posted and receive candidates and receive the coaching. So we've simplified it as much as possible. The starting point is just the website. That's fantastic. And I think that you also have... Um, an opportunity for our listeners specifically today about a free job posting on Jobs for Humanity for um, the 48 hours following listening to this podcast, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead, Roy, I'm sorry. I was was just going to say that um, the way way Jobs for Humanity finds sustainability is uh, with companies we, we charge 3,000 per hire, where we give 1,000 to the recruiter, career coach that helped the candidate and the employer, 1,000 to the nonprofit that helped the candidates or referred the candidates in so that we're always giving back to organizations and or like partnering with the, with at the grassroots level mm-hmm. and 1,000 for Jobs for Humanity. But following the launch of the podcast for the next 48 hours, we can get in touch and then we can publish as many jobs as you want uh, entirely for free. Oh, you're amazing. That's fantastic. Okay, so you've already given us so much to be inspired by, but it's time for that that final parting words of wisdom. Do you have anything that you really want to make sure that our listeners leave with? Um, I'd say just uh, don't delay anything. If there's yeah. something in your heart, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be about jobs for humanity, but if there's something in your heart that you've been wanting to do, Tomorrow is, today is better than tomorrow. Today is worth more than tomorrow. Actually, even financially speaking, a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow. Fact. Uh, We're feeling it with inflation. 
And a minute today is worth more than a minute tomorrow while you, while you have more energy. Your body is more receptive today. Uh, so just do it. I love it. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And those of you who are out there listening, if you love this, please share it with a friend, um, share it with an organization that you think might want to get involved with Jobs for Humanity. Um, leave us and, and Roy a review here to let us know what you're thinking and, and how much you have been inspired by this. Roy, thank you again and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Heather. Thanks for having me.